it's Big Daddy. And you know what time it is. It's Big Daddy and friends. And I have one of my friends on here who, uh, you know, everybody knows I come from the football world. But listen, I get around. I have friends everywhere, you know, whether I want them or not. But this one I do want. So, And I've had for a while. And he happens to be the color commentator for the Carolina Hurricanes. So, yes, hockey is a deep love of mine. So I want to welcome my man, Trip Tracy, to Big Daddy and Friends. What's up, Tripper? Big Daddy, it's great to be with you, my great friend. And, uh, boy, so many great memories for, for many years. You know, I, I look behind you here, and I see uh, Weeksy on one side, Archie Irby on the other side, and I, I always knew you know, going back to the late 90s when the Hurricanes came to New York and I'd see you at Madison Square Garden that the big lights were on. And that was really <laughs> the origin of our friendship. Uh, well, you know what? It, it's when you have friends in so many different places and so many different, you know, with so many different backgrounds and, and everybody always says, well, how did you get so big in hockey? And, you know, you may not even know this, but uh, when I lived in Pittsburgh, uh, one of the guys that I became friends with first, and it was, and here's a stupid thing. Here's a dumb story, but you're going to appreciate it. Jim Sweeney, who had played for the Jets, who was a Pittsburgh, one of, you know, along with Marino and all those guys back in the day, he said to me, when you get to Pittsburgh, I want you to meet my friend Tony. And Tony is the right guy to know, and he'll show you the ropes and blah, blah, blah. So I meet Tony, and Tony's like, Hey, uh, welcome to town. Come on, I'm going to take you to a softball game. And I'm like, you know, I just came from New York. I don't want to go to a softball game. Hey, no, come with me, blah, blah, blah. All right. He goes, we're going to go watch my friend play. And there's a couple other guys there, but my one friend Mario's playing. <laughs> All right. I'm thinking another Italian guy, you know, blah, blah, blah. Who's <laughs> walking over, Lemieux. And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just like my jaw dropped. And uh, I said, uh, hey, Mario, you know, uh, Jim Sweeney, da, da, da. And he was like, yeah. He goes, he goes welcome to town. So uh, that was my introduction to, like, a real superstar. And, and my roommate was Neil O'Donnell, who I was living with there. But he wasn't the starting quarterback yet. It was only, like, his rookie year. So here I was going to Penguins games, and I became friends with him. And then one led to Yager and then to Kevin Steele. I mean – it just trickled down this whole thing. And everybody would be like, that must be the team security guy or something because, you know, I was bigger than everybody. And uh, it was just uh, – that was uh, the start of really like hockey for me where, it, it uh, you know, before I was in the insurance business, I was working with Mario's agent and also a football agent. So I was uh, bird-dogging for both guys. And – and it led me to both sides of the fence, which was really cool because it helped me later on with relationships and dealing with people and, you know, and learning how to speak to people. So it was, uh, that was, uh, you know, that was a funny, a fun time and a learning experience. And, and hey, I got to see two Stanley Cups, you know, be there when I was there in Pittsburgh because they had one back to back. And, um, and it was just, I'll never forget, but the funniest one funny story from that era was Neil O'Donnell and I living together. Neil saying to me, "Hey, Daddy, I need you to do me a favor." And I was like, "Yeah, what's up, man? Hey, can you get Mario to sign something for me?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Dude, 
you're the quarterback, and now he's starting. I'm like, you're the starting quarterback of the Steelers, man. You can, I'll bring you to the locker room, and you will get it signed. I got to save those for when I need them. <laughs> you know, you asked for it. So, uh, you know, we went down there, they met, and uh, that was uh, – but those are great times, you know. And that's where, really, I got started in hockey, which a lot of people think I was always just a football guy. No, hockey actually started my football business. That's wild. You know, I'm thinking about those great penguins. See, I'm curious because you started that that uh, great tale. Uh, speaking about Mario Lemieux in a softball game, what kind of softball player was he? Uh, you know what? I think uh, my if my memory recalls. I don't know if that game was that. It wasn't the. Uh, it wasn't Game Six of the World Series, so I think it was kind of a little lax, uh, kind of casual kind of thing. So. I don't know if anybody was swinging for the fences that day. I think it was more about enjoying a, a nice beer and uh, and fun with friends. Well, and, and so then you, you know, because of your charisma and trust that, that people immediately feel because you're real, uh, Daddy, you, you, you were on those Penguins teams in the early 90s that won those two cups. And then, you know, again, mentioning Kevin Weeks and Archer Zerbe, Tom Barrasso spent some time in Carolina. And Tom Barrasso, what a classic. Did you spend any time with Tommy B? Yeah. He was the only guy he would send out, you know, wherever he was playing, he would send his dry cleaning to get done in New York and get it overnight back. He had to have the elite dry cleaner in the country. And he would wear his pants so high, Daddy. He was the only guy, and Ray Whitney was a great <laughs> hurricane, he used to say this only guy, his pants were so high, probably pretty much right up to his pecs that when he got his wallet, he had to reach over his shoulder. <laughs> I did not know that about him. I, I, You know what? Goalies are a different breed. They're like uh, field goal kickers in football. You know, it's oh. just a, <laughs> and I know, look, I'm, I'm talking to a goalie, so I get it. But, uh, you know, it's just uh, you, you kind of with those guys, you, you know, you let them be to the side and you uh, and you let them bring the conversation to you because you never know. I, I That's how I always felt. I, I'm a superstitious kind of guy, and I think if a guy has a routine and that's his routine, then let it be. Don't interrupt. Can, can I ask you this? Because you, you you mentioned going to Pittsburgh, and I'll never forget this. That you know the the outstanding football player you were, but and the great game that it is. I'd love to know what you how you think football players and hockey players are the same, how they're different. But just a really quick story because you mentioned Pittsburgh that just popped into my head, Daddy. Yeah. I remember Kevin Westgarth, who, you know, was a tough guy in the NHL, and he married Bill Cowher's daughter. And so when when Bill Cow when Kevin was playing for the Hurricanes, Bill Cowher came on uh, came on for the second period with us one night. Mm-hmm. And I had never met him. He walked into the booth and he shook my hand and he goes, you know, hey Trace. It's good to meet you. Said a couple of nice things about watching the broadcast. He just had that look, Daddy, that I would run through a wall, a rampart, swim the oceans for that guy. And that was my my one true, really cool experience with a, a Super Bowl winning football coach. Well, the chin, as everyone knows, you know, he played football at NC State, too. So very familiar with your uh, your neighborhood there, uh, being that the football field is right across the street from the uh, the hockey arena. But he was he's a guy that he got you fired up. 
And if he gave you that look, that look would just fire you up without even the yelling. You know, some coaches, they're yellers, and they need to, you know, rant and rave and whatnot. He was a guy, from knowing him, that he got his point across by looking you dead in the eye and telling you this is what the deal is, you know. So uh, I always say it it was always good, and and Weeksy and I talked about this, how when you bring both sports together, you know, like – Football guys admire hockey guys, and hockey guys admire football guys. And, you know, like it's funny, when you take hockey guys to a football game, you know, they're asking you a 100 questions like, hey, what's going on over there? You know, and I'm like, you know, then you explain it to them. And one of the big thrills that I had was last year, my brother's an assistant coach on the Buffalo Bills. So uh, I took uh, Kevin and his girlfriend to the uh, watch him play, and I introduced Kevin to Kim Pagula, you know, yeah. and right there it was like a marriage made in heaven because even though it was a football day, they started yucking it up about hockey. And, and then, you know, I, man, I text with Kim now. So it's kind of funny. Uh, she's like, boy, big daddy, you're everywhere. Cause I ran into her in like three different cities. And I said, well, Kim, that's how my business is. That's how I built it. I built it by being in front of people, not by being, you know, mailing people or call calling people or anything. It's just, uh, that's how I built it. And that's the only way I know how to do it. But, uh, you know, it's, especially the Steeler guys back when the Penguins were, you know, rolling back then, you know, they would go to games all day long. You know, the Chuck Knoll was kind of on his way out. So he wasn't really the one going to hockey games, but I remember Cower would go and a lot of the players would be at the igloo, the old igloo. And, uh, and that's what it was. But uh, the guys, uh, there's admiration. I think more importantly, one, because they're both pro athletes. No matter what sport you're playing, you still busted your hump. You had to do something. You had to be someone special to get to that level. So there's always that appreciation, you know? I guess, but the one questions or stories popping in my head, you know, insurance guru that you are in all facets, all people, your time in Pittsburgh, I've got to ask you, did you insure John Claude Van Damme? Because <laughs> he was doing those movies. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, that one got away from me. I, he was there after <laughs> I was gone already. So I didn't, uh, they definitely need a lot of insurance when you have helicopters going through the igloo and everything else they had going on there. But uh, that one I didn't get. But I had a few other good ones, and uh, it got me going on my way. And, uh, and that's what uh, – you know, I always say knock on wood for those times. You know, I don't forget Pittsburgh. It's dear and near to my heart. Can I ask you one other? Do you know, and one other, you know, there's a bunch when you really think about it, football story. Yeah. I was, it was when the, uh, it was in New Orleans, Daddy, when the Patriots upset the Rams. And I was down in, because it was the hockey all-star break, and I was down with it with Bates Pataglia, played for the Hurricane. We got called up for our first NHL game together. It was my only three or four days in the NHL as a player, but his first. So I was there with him and a, a guy, John Graham, who was playing for the Boston Bruins, a goaltender at the time. Yeah, I knew and, Johnny. Yeah, so, so this was the funny thing. We were having a few pops at the casino, and – we met this guy, Bates and I did, uh, Bubba Franks. Bubba yeah, Franks. Tight end for the Packers. 
Yeah, so it, we're playing blackjack, and I'm the last person around the table before the dealer does what the dealer's going to do. And Bubba got two, he got 20, and he split the kings. And I'm like, I've never seen that before. I'm like, Bubba, what are you doing? And so then we're talking. And so I know, once he does this completely out-of-the-box move, it gets to me. <laughs> and I had, I had a three and a two. I had five. Okay, I had five. I said, I'll stay. <laughs> and and, and Bubba looks at me and he goes, what are you doing? I said, I too like to live dangerously, Bubba, you bastard. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh, man. And, and Bates, 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 Bates whispers to me, Trip. He probably isn't going to get that's a Seinfeld joke. You know, you're acting like you're Austin Powers right now. I stayed. The dealer busted. He won double his money when he did that atypical split 20 with two kings. That was my running with with Bubba Franks <laughs> yeah, uh, I that know. day before I, the Super Bowl. I know. You know, that was funny because that Super Bowl was the first time that the NHL guys were ever there. And because Brian Burrard was there with me. Yeah. Uh, okay. And and Brian had it was funny. Brian went to the casino and won something where uh besides winning a lot of money, he won a dinner for like fifteen at uh Smith and Walinsky's uh steakhouse. Yeah. And um we all went to dinner there and and it was open bar and food and everything. I mean it was out of control, fun. A lot of eating, and uh, and then you know he was like, "Oh, I got to go back Sunday because we got to be back Monday," and uh, but that was cool. That and you ran into a bunch of guys, you know, and I know who they are. Where most people may not know, I'm just looking at faces. I'm like, "Oh, there's so and so. There's you know this <laughs> and that one." And uh, and then B was with me for like two of the nights that he was down there, uh, just uh, mixing in with everybody else. Like you know, he was just part of the crew, you know. So it, it was a fun weekend. I, I remember because we really stayed at that blackjack table and we may or may not have uh, meandered our way into high limits. And I remember <laughs> at one point telling uh, Jimmy Johnson, JJ, not a hair out of place. And <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how that went over. He's low. We, had a, we talked for 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. He, however, I delivered what I said about his quaff. He enjoyed it. But that was that was a ton of fun. And, yes, I went back. By the time the actual the, the, the kickoff was on Sunday, I was back in Raleigh and watched that upset and the start of things to come for the Patriots. Well, it was a great weekend, Daddy. I'm sorry we didn't cross paths. Yeah, we didn't weekend. cross paths down there. Um, but I'll tell you this. It, uh, like I said, the admiration between both sports is is there. It's always there. And uh, I think the hockey guys are a little bit more on the shyer side because when most of them look up at these guys, they're like gargantuans. And, you know, you have to make the intro and, and, and let everybody, you know, hey, it's cool, man. You know, Trip meets so-and-so, so-and-so meet Trip. And, and, you know, hey, listen, you're in my group, so it's all good. So that's the one thing I, I – I, that's the way I see it, you know. It's you just you know because of again your charisma, and and, and I, hey listen, I'm not blowing smoke. It's a fact. It's effortless, and it makes people open up when they're around you and and trust you even more importantly. But I'm sitting here thinking about our mutual friends and 
Dennis Seidenberg just popped into my head. Oh, and yeah. I got to tell you, Sides, okay? Now, Sides, I thought when the Bruins won the Cup, Timmy Thomas won the Conn Smythe. He was legendary. But had it not been for Tim Thomas, Dennis Seidenberg played so well, even better than Zdeno Chara in the playoffs. I had Sides as the playoff MVP. That's how good he was. And I'll tell you a quick story, because Sides and I have become, we'll be friends for the rest of our lives. It didn't start off great, because he got traded from the Coyotes to Carolina. And he comes up to me in the stands after practice one day, Daddy, and he goes, hey, Tripp, you know, my wife said that uh, she was watching, you know, the broadcast last night, and you said that I'm a sensitive type of defenseman, so if you're coaching the defense, you've got to make sure you keep that in mind when you coach him up as opposed to a guy that you really, you know, go at like a pit bull. And I, I looked at him and I said, Sides, the fact that you're bringing this up to me right now only confirms that you're sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. He is, I, you know, and he lives right near me, so I uh... – He's a, and what a career he had. Yeah, I get I get with him every once in a while. I have to tell him that you know I had you on. I'll have him on too. And uh, you know it was funny when he was. I went to uh, Boston to watch him play when they won the finals, and then uh, he had his Stanley Cup party down in Atlantic City. So I uh, I spent two days there. I needed a day to wake up and recover. And uh, <laughs> and then his you know they're now here in Long Island, and his wife has a store here, and you know they're really they're a fixture in the community. But uh, I know it, was they funny, it was funny when Dennis was, uh, you know, playing for Germany. And uh, I said to him, I said, listen, I got myself one of those, uh, you know, Nazi uh, war helmets. And uh, I'm going to wear it and play the German uh, national anthem <laughs> when you guys win. And he was like, you're crazy. I said, no, I'm just trying to have fun. And, and, uh, and then I went to the, uh, the what is it, the, uh, Bern Rick Munich, I guess, the soccer team, I, uh, which is uh, oh, Bayern Munich, the soccer team over in Germany. I went to their offices and I met their president. He's like, Big Daddy, I want to give you a jersey. I was like, well, yeah, but that jersey isn't going to fit me. I go, give it to me. And I gave it to Dennis, you know, because I knew he would appreciate it a lot more than me just taking it and having it sit on the floor or on the wall or whatever because it was like uh, an extra large. And I needed the other. I needed the other three X's to go to that with that extra large, at the time. So, um, but you know, um, the one thing that we do at this show, just so uh, I have fans that ask questions, and uh, they're geared towards the guests. So I'm going to read one off to you that I have here. And okay, one is actually one I have for you, but the other one is. Uh, the Canes are one of the youngest teams in the league. Is it different analyzing them versus older teams? It's <clears throat> a good question. Um, yeah, I, I would say it is um, that that I try to I try to be more patient. Yeah. You know, because it's a game of mistakes, and that even veteran players uh, would would tell you that that it's a game of mistakes. That never goes away. Um, but I think that, Daddy, it takes young players uh, in any position to recognize that the way that you have success is, and I'm sure it's the same in football, is a routine, an approach, 
uh, a buy-in that you're going to do the same thing every day, every week, every month, every year. And you know that, that can seem boring, that can seem repetitive, but that's the way that you win. And that's also the way, if you have self-interest, that you build the best personal, individual career uh, that you can. Um, but it's, you know, right across, if you're in Long Island right now, so right across the way in, in, in Manhattan, my first few years broadcasting, John Davidson was doing color for the Rangers, mm-hmm. and that was pre-salary cap daddy, and the Rangers stunk. They had the highest payroll in the league, and John Davidson, who I think is as good of a color guy, maybe the best that there's been in, in the National Hockey League's history, uh, he always found a way to tell the truth without throwing a player or the team under the bus and simultaneously sell the game. So, you know, when, when a young player makes a mistake, I will certainly, I will, or a veteran for that matter, I won't shy away from pointing it out, but I will then probably look subconsciously for that player then to do something good. And when he makes the mistake, I will try to point it out in a way that will absolutely satisfy the fans looking for objectivity, but still try to sell the sport uh, at the same time. And I think that's one of the greatest challenges in broadcasting. Got it. I, you know what? I, I don't know if I could ever do that uh, in regards to broadcasting and all that. But, you know, when I got into this whole Fox News thing and everything, that was just kind of like, here's a mic, Big Daddy, go interview people. And I was kind of like, you know, but <laughs> as the years have gone by, I've gotten into it, and I, I know the game a little bit better now. But, uh, you know, the one question I have, the question for me, and it's twofold. So one is Rod Brindamore. Uh, Rod is, uh, you know what, growing up in, uh, you know, the 90s and whatnot, was one of my favorite players. And then when I got to work with him and meet him, you know, I don't have like these uh, – groupy moments or anything, but when I met him, I was fired up because I was like, he is the hardest working guy, at least one of them, that I saw not only on the ice, but off the ice. And the admiration that I had for him, and still do, like I I will cheer for him. Like I, I want him to win a cup. That's how much I like him, and that's what I think of Rod as a you know person and a coach. But how was it watching him as a player then becoming a coach? Well, I was uh, – the first thought is, is I remember um, a guy I'm sure you met during his time in New Jersey or briefly from the Islanders. I was playing junior hockey with a first-round pick of New Jersey and won a Stanley Cup, Brian Ralston. Yeah. And we were teammates. We were teammates forever growing up. And when Rod got drafted – Raleigh, Brian Ralston and I were playing juniors together. I remember Raleigh coming in the locker room uh, at CompuWare was our junior team here in Detroit. And he said, Trip, you're not going to believe this guy, Rod Brindamore. Just got drafted in the first round by St. Louis. He wouldn't even put on the jersey. He said, I won't put on the jersey until I make the National Hockey League. And, and Raleigh and I, we didn't know Rod, but I, that story, because I have supreme respect for Brian Ralston, dear, dear friend, uh, that always stuck with me. So then I, I, got, I got drafted by the Flyers. They didn't sign me. So then I, I followed him that much more. Um, and then when he became a Hurricane, I mean, I was a huge fan. And I, I wonder, it was early in my broadcasting career, Keith Primo, who he was traded for, 
I, I wasn't necessarily totally bullish on Keith Primo. And I know he, he played great at times in Philadelphia, and it's too bad because staying healthy was his biggest challenge. So what really impressed me most about Rod is he came from Philadelphia, and he tells the story, Daddy, his first one. I, I might have been against the Montreal Canadiens. There's nobody in the stands in Raleigh. Nobody. You know, that's before he and, and Kevin Weeks and Arthur Zerbeg, you know, took Carolina to the Stanley Cup Finals in 2002 and really ignited the market. Um, so the fact that he kept just working, not feeling sorry for himself, coming from a place in Philadelphia where the, the atmosphere was bonkers every night to then having to build something. Um, and then as a player, uh, you know, I, I don't think he'd mind my sharing this because he's my closest friend in the organization. He went through a tough divorce. And I remember we were on the road in uh, Colorado. We were in Denver. We went to dinner and we came back to my room after dinner and we had a quick conversation. And he wasn't, I think he was playing on the third or fourth line briefly at that point. He wasn't a captain yet. And he had one of those moments and he said, Trip, my gosh, you know, like, when's this thing going to turn? And me, of all people, I said, Roddy, you know, you have no idea how quickly with, with the way you do things, your attitude, the fact that you dig in, that you could be in your deepest valley and you'll be on your highest mountain before you know it. Well, would you know it? It was, uh, you know, lost a year due to a, a work stoppage, but then he's named captain. He wins the Stanley Cup, one of the great cup lifts in, 2000, in, in Stanley Cup history. And then I always knew he could be a great coach, but Daddy, coming from football, where you have to completely invest into video. You watch so much more video yeah. than hockey players do. Roddy hated video, hated it. Uh, but he knew once he wanted to be a coach that he was going to have to turn that into a strength, and that's just him. Uh, I had the chance to walk his mom down the aisle at his wedding in Raleigh. He is, I believe absolutely that he's a Hall of Fame player, and I I certainly hope and expect that he will get there. I would, hope so. I would hope so too, because listen, yeah. that that's a leader by example that I can tell you from watching from afar and the interaction, the interaction I've had with him. And uh, uh, I listen, I, I wouldn't be shocked if you tell me there's an induction and he's in that I'm not there because I'd love to see that happen. You know, it's a, uh, it's just so, I'm sure, again, it's sport. It's not just hockey. For me, this is what makes hockey so special. So Roddy went to you know, Notre Dame in Saskatchewan, Wilcox, Wilcox, Saskatchewan, that's produced a lot of great players. So that, that story happens, you know, where he was at a low point, and all of a sudden, boom, he's hoisting the Stanley Cup after having been to a couple finals, didn't know if he was ever going to win it. So it had to be. I don't know, six, seven, eight years later, whatever it was, I had become friendly with, and you, I'm sure you know him from the New York, you know, from his time in the New York area, Brad Richards. And Brad Richards, who also went to Notre Dame in Saskatchewan, Brad Richards had just been bought out by the Rangers and he went to Chicago. And, I, you know, I remember, and because Brad and I were friends and because he went to Notre Dame just like Roddy did, I passed along that story and said, hey, Brad, you could be in your deepest valley. Before you know it, you're climbing your highest mountain. And would you know it, he played very well and won the Stanley Cup for the Chicago Blackhawks. That's just cool. That's, that's the type of stuff that 
makes the, the hopefully I don't have any hairs on the back of my neck, but if I did, it makes them stand up. Yeah, it was, uh, I was at that final, uh, the one that you guys lost to Detroit. Yeah. I was there for that. And, uh, you know, that I was at that, what, triple overtime game? I was that game yeah. one or two? I forget what it was. Three. Three. And, uh, Igor Lariano. And I'm like, oh, my. And it was like, I get, it must have been, I don't know, 1.30 in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning. And Kevin and I, and I believe his parents were there. Yeah. Kevin's like, we used like, Dad, we got to go get something to eat. I'm like, where? <laughs> we drove around Raleigh. <laughs> We ended up at Denny's because that was the only thing that was open, you know, and uh, it was so funny. I, and that was such a great game. And um, I don't know. Did you ever meet uh, Ro, uh, Wilson Hoyle? Wilson Hoyle was yeah. Rod Brindamore's – he was Rod Brindamore's best man in his wedding. Yeah. Wonderful Wilson, guy. Wilson and I, uh, we uh, know each other from when uh, his best friend in college was Ricky Prohl. And – Neil O'Donnell was my roommate in college who grew up with Ricky. So we okay. had that, you know, Maryland Wake Forest thing going on. And I always laugh. I used to tell Ricky, I said, dude, you killed us when we were at Maryland. I mean, because he was the guy that did everything for that team. And yeah. I hadn't seen Wilson in a long time. And then uh, after the game, Scotty Bowman comes over to me and is like, hey, Big Daddy, how you doing? He goes, did you like that? <laughs> And Wilson happened to be sitting there, and he was like, Big Daddy, what are you doing here? Why is Scotty Bowman saying hello to you? <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, I, I know Scotty from Pittsburgh days and, you know, whatever, and, and doing business with some of the Red Wings. And, uh, <laughs> and that's how me and Wilson reconnected. That's how I started doing business with Rod, because Wilson put us together. Yeah, but Wilson's a – he's a field goal kicker. Wilson's a fabulous guy. Yeah. And he introduced – he actually introduced – was a huge part of introducing Rod with his wife, Amy. Roddy overachieved. She went to NC State. And, uh, and now they have a young son, Brooks. So I think he's got that look that Rod does. He's a future NHLer. But that – my question, you know, with Weeks D, we are both so close with this phenomenal human being. That is Kevin Weeks. Yes. But if you were looking for a restaurant at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, he's nocturnal. So that's his time that he's usually – I mean, I go to bed a lot earlier than him, and I just remember when he was playing in the league, all he would talk about when he was looking for a place to live or the hotels on the road, it better have a good bathtub. Better have a good bathtub. I don't partake in bathtubs and baths like Weeks Listen, I don't for, do you? <laughs> You, I don't fit in half those bat and three quarters of them. So bathtubs never come up in my conversation in regards to anything. As long as there's air conditioning and a bed, I'm good. Bathtubs, I might as well just stick my feet in there and soak them. You know, so that's uh, – but, yes, Kevin is very uh, particular about a lot of things. And, uh, you know, he has his bag of lotions that oh, yeah. he has to have and – God forbid if uh, that bag ever disappeared, there would be like it'd be like King Kong going through that locker room trying to find it. Uh, oh, which I he know was always I, the last guy in the bus. I know. Yes, one time I'm waiting for him at a Rangers game, and everybody—I <laughs> mean, the cleaning crew—left, <laughs> and he was still in there. I finally walked in. I'm like, dude, what are you getting a manicure? Like, come on, dude, we <laughs> got to go out to get something to eat. 
But New York's a little different because, you know, everything's open at 4 in the morning, so we can go where we want to go. But, uh, yeah, Kevin's been known to uh, have a, his own uh, – a style of his own, and, uh, and he runs his own beat, which I think that's what makes him who he is, a special person, a guy with a huge heart, you know, now is into philanthropy and entrepreneurship, and, and he's really taken his game to a full 360, especially – He's taking advantage of being in, you know, uh, uh, Gotham City, as we say up here, you know? Yeah, the only thing I would say is because I'm trying to trim down because I have, well, in the series in the bubble that the Hurricanes had against Boston, there was this, you know, speaking of your your friend, Rod Brindamore, there was a, a picture of him with no shirt on it, like a football stadium in Toronto, celebrating his 50th birthday, and he looks like a Greek guy. And I said at one point, and I think game two at the Hurricanes, when I made a promise in the second intermission, I'll get as chiseled as Rod, you know, by the start of next season, okay? So I'm actually working on it, Daddy. It's, it's not coming very easily. I know you've been getting it done because uh, I see your workouts every morning. But Weeksy, he's full of shit. He keeps telling me, you know, you, you, get, the, you get the itch late at night, trip. just eat oatmeal. Just eat oatmeal. You got your oatmeal? Get the oatmeal isn't doing anything for me, Weeksy. You know, maybe I got to jump in the bathtub. Maybe that's what's going to get it done. <laughs> uh, uh, I'll tell you. Listen, I, uh, I've gotten good at, you know, not eating after 8 o'clock and a lot of water. It affects your sleep sometimes. But you know what? Uh, a friend of mine had me juice for three days, and that was an experiment. Like, I had never – but. I didn't take it to that extreme. I was having, you know, since I'm working out like a bull in the morning, I got to have something of substance because I'd, I'd pass out. So I would have a protein yeah. shake, you know, peanut butter, banana in there to give it some sort of density and uh, then have a shake at, in the uh, 1 o'clock at time and then do either another protein shake or try to suck it up. Day three, I sucked it up where I just went three juices and I'll tell you, on Thanksgiving, I was ready to fight King Kong and Godzilla because uh, I, I was like, I woke up with all this energy, but I was hungry, you know? So I'm like, these guys that do this one-week juicing or fasting, I guess you could, I could do an intimate fast, but I would not be able to do a hardcore fast. But uh, the diet is the key. I'm down 62 pounds since March. And it's, it's really – the workouts are great. My, my wind is incredible. I don't know if I had a better wind or, uh, than since probably since college. But the diet is the key component. I mean, it's like – it's scary how, you know, I'll go to dinner and I'll share an entree. I won't have a baked potato or French fries or, you know, pasta I'm missing like you don't even know. But, listen, I want to live longer and, uh, you know, I want to be healthier. So yeah. Did you say an intimate fast or an increment fast? No, intimate. I, well, I, I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, hang on, that might be a new first line for me if I'm trying to break the ice. Hey, yeah. Susan, you want to you, you yeah. go enjoy an intimate fast together? <laughs> <laughs> and listen, Trip, remember, I didn't go to Harvard or Yale like you did. I went to Maryland. So my, uh, my educational levels only go so high. So – I, uh, I try to keep everything Reader's Digest, uh, uh, Dr. Seuss level. <laughs> I've, ended up in, I've ended up in Terrapin country a few times. Uh, 
during some of our prolonged stays in Washington, we get a couple of extra days, you know, when the Hurricanes are playing the Capitals. I've, I've ventured out to your alma mater. Yeah, it's fun over there, man. I haven't, oh, yeah. I haven't been in about three years, but uh, they know how to get it going over there. So, uh, so listen, you got a dig-in hat, just like I got one on. Tell all my viewers and listeners what you got going on with your company. Well, it's, you know, it's, I mean, I just heard that somebody just said to me that Bob Costas had one out of every five people in the next census. It's going to be revealed that one out of five are doing podcasts. <laughs> but here's the thing, Daddy. I, I always resisted, you know, doing it. Um, but with everything going, all this free time, uh, my producer, one of my producers with the Hurricanes kept bugging me to do a podcast. Yeah. And you know, like now, you know, I wasn't even really on social media, private guy. So I finally said, okay, I'll try it out. And I've always felt that interviewing, I don't do it as much as I used to because we have a sideline reporter. I used to do the bulk of the interviews aside from being the analyst. And I've, I've always found it to be such an exciting challenge to try to ask a good question that's going to get a good response in as few words as possible and have certain questions that you think you're going to ask that you plan to ask, but based on, say, what Big Daddy says, you listen and go, you, go down, you go down a completely different road. It's like a choose-your-own-adventure. And I find that to be so exciting. The reason that it's called digging in uh, is because I usually stop by the coach's office before we go on the ice, uh, before the team goes out for warm-up, because i got to go down and do a bench interview at the start of warm-up just about every game. And, I'll, and the coaches have just gotten done all their video. They're tense. It's right before the game. They need a lighthearted moment. So I'll go in and boss their balls a little bit. And then, you know, when I, if I, you know, before I leave, oftentimes I'll say, you know, I'm, in, I'm interviewing so-and-so on the bench. Don't you worry. I'm going to tell his ass he better dig in tonight. And, and they always laugh. And so what does digging in mean? In hockey terms, digging in means don't be a perimeter player. Go to the hard areas. Stay in the hard areas. You get knocked down, obviously, you get back up. But nothing comes easy. You know, the game is for sale if you're willing to pay the price, and you can't pay the price on the outside. And that's how it started. Uh, it applies to all other sports, all other areas of life in any capacity. Uh, why have you been so successful in insurance? What did you say? I think you were talking about Kim Pagula. you got to get in front of people. You're not on the perimeter. You're digging in. And just as we've uh, been chatting and enjoying the stories like we always do, Daddy, you brought up Scotty Bowman. He's dug in with me. Yeah. That was a, a fun episode. You brought up Roddy. He's dug in with me. You brought up Wixie. He's dug in. So it's really been a lot of fun. We just uh, wrapped up uh, here in Detroit. We did a young Red Wing star, Dylan Larkin, Chris Osgood, and uh, a mentor for me, uh, Hall of Fame uh, broadcaster with the Red Wings, Mickey Redmond. What I, I, love the, I love the Zoom and the video stuff that we're doing, Daddy, but I, I can't wait till normal times when we can do it face-to-face because -face, that yeah. takes it to another level. Yeah, no, I agree with you a thousand percent. I mean, it's a crazy world we're living in right now, and hopefully these vaccines, uh, they start coming out and, you know, get things back to normal somewhat, and, uh, you know, we'll see where it goes from there. But uh, I got to say, thanks so much for coming on. It's, believe me, as much as you may think this is crazy what I'm about to say, I enjoy interviewing 
you and everyone that comes on because you guys are doing it. You've done it. You're doing it all the time. For me, this is fun. It's just like you said. You didn't know if you were going to get into doing podcasts and whatnot because you're, you're doing TV. That's a whole different other thing. I was the same way. And then all of a sudden, come on, daddy, you can do this. And, you know, everybody and blah, blah, blah. So now, like, I'm into it. So, you know, you do your research, you do your homework, you do your questions, you ask people things, and they come back and ask you. Uh, I'll tell you, I interviewed Barry Trotz the other day. And what a, what a blast I had with him. He was, you know, I, I told him, I said, listen, boy, Washington made a mistake when they let you go, you know, because here you win the cup, you're getting paid X when you should be getting Y and for years, not a one-year deal or two-year deal. And, and you know, he chuckled and, you know, he's in a better place. He's working with Lou Lamarillo, who's greater than that guy, you know, as far as hockey uh, knowledge and doing what he does. And uh, and he was fun. He uh, uh, I asked him a question and he goes uh, – well, I said to him, I said, I want you to tell me about this. What's this hot lap? And he said to me, he goes, oh, you know about that. I said, yeah. <laughs> I go, I kind of related to when I was in college, we had to do a thing called a 12-minute run. And it was six laps under 12 minutes. And if you didn't get that done, after practice, you had to run after we did our running. And I, I in four and a half or five years – of doing it in college, I never missed that thing. I was like, I'll miss anything else, but not that. And he said to me, yeah, he said to me, he goes, whoa. He goes, well, the hot lap wasn't as serious as uh, that. But what it was, it was a way to break up monotony when guys were really uptight. And, yeah. and, and it used to be where the players did it. But they were in game seven of the Stanley Cup final and he was coming out onto the ice, and he noticed that everyone was puckered, that you couldn't even get a pin up there. And he goes, you know what? He said to Ovi, he goes, Ovi, you think I should do the hot lap? And Ovi said, and he got out there, and he said, he goes, Big Daddy, I went as fast as I could go. <laughs> and he did it. And he goes, I tried to get a little tricky and get on one knee, but he goes, no, 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 stay up, stay up, and then – Boom, everybody got a laugh, and they won. So, uh, you know, that was something that uh, I, I was so glad to share with him and let him give you his interpretation of what that was and what it meant. Well, you know, uh, before you bid me adieu, uh, first of all, Barry, we were talking about Rod. We talked about Brad, Brad Richards and Notre Dame, the Hounds in Saskatchewan um, that has produced so many great uh, hockey players, in this case, a coach. Barry Trotz is a Notre Dame hound as well. But when when I think about it, again, just as my observation as your friend, why have you been so successful? Again, you dig in, you get in front of people, when, as opposed to if you, making a phone call, sending a text. Barry Trotz, one of the first things he did when he became the coach of the Washington Capitals was fly to Moscow and spend time with Alex Ovechkin. Build that trust. Get to know his family. Know, you know, and I think Barry either speaks a decent degree of Russian or certainly has, has learned a ton about the Russian culture. So he just completely dug in. Um, and so when he skates out for that game seven in Tampa, I believe it was, yeah. and says, hey, Obrey, you think I should do the hot lap? 
you know, that you have all of that built-in trust in history. And I think it just, uh, and I'm sure it's the same for you, and a big part of your success, partner, uh, is that you more the more you care about people, the more you care about someone, the more you're going to compete for them, for each other. And you know what? I tell people all the time, people call me that I don't even know because, you know, you'll say, hey, if you're going to New York, you got to get a hold of Big Daddy. If this is what you want to do, blah, blah, blah. And, that, and that's how I met Brad Richards that way. It was funny when he was in Tampa. Someone said, you know, if you're going to go to New York and, and you're trying to get in here, call Big Daddy. And then all of a sudden I see this number. I'm like, who's this? Hey, Big Daddy, this is Brad Richards. Uh, I think it was uh, Brad Lukovich or somebody told him to call me and, and you know, boom, boom. And then there's another time where I'm, uh, I'm picking up, uh, at the time it was Daryl Sador, and he was playing in Pittsburgh. And Daryl calls me up and goes, Big Daddy, we're at the hotel there's some issue with no cabs or nothing. He goes, where are you? I said, oh, I'm actually on the other side of town. He goes, man, you got to come here and pick me up. I am not going to get over to the game. I go over there, pick him up. All of a sudden, Sidney Crosby and like six guys jump in my car. And <laughs> boom, we go to Madison Garden and I drop them off. And, you know, and then Sidney's like, hey, man, I go, I, I know you don't know me. I go, well, now you do. And uh, he goes, I really want to get a Michael Strahan jersey. Can you get me one? I'll give you one of mine. And I was like, oh, my God, here we go. Don't you have a game to go play right now in the playoffs? He's like, yeah, but I still want to get a – you know, so stuff like that. It's just those are how relationships are and how they work. And, and, I, and I think because so many of these guys are so used to everyone coming at them and asking them for stuff, I don't need anything. I'm not going to ask. I mean, I don't even – you know, I can have an autograph collection the size of Manhattan, and I got about nine things. That's it. And yeah. and those four of those things are behind me. That's it. You know, I'm not uh, – what you see is what you get. So, um, yeah. But anyway, I got to say thank you again for coming on, man. It's uh, – like I said, it's my honor, and, uh, you know, uh, I feel privileged. And we'll do this again, and, uh, and, and uh, I'll, I promise to keep digging. How's that? I, I, you know, I, I think I see your shovel right next to Shady 80, Wakesy there. Uh, you were born with that shovel. Uh, Daddy, happy holidays. Love you. I can't yeah, wait to, to be together soon. And I'm going to certainly uh, utilize in some form of flirtation uh, the request from this episode tonight. Hey, so-and-so, do you want to try out an intimate fast? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely use, uh, and uh, you got to give me photo credit, right? Or whatever you want to call it. I don't even know. But, uh, hey, for everyone out there, Trip Tracy, keep an eye out for him uh, once the NHL season starts. And uh, another great session here at Big Daddy and Friends, and we'll do it again real soon. So, everyone, have a great night. And, Trip, thank you, man. I love you, and I'll see you soon. <laughs>